All right, everybody, welcome back to the Talking Red Bird podcast. I want to spend the first couple minutes just talking about um, how thankful I am. Um, I got an email this morning from the Anchor and Spotify apps saying that because of how many uh, views or listens I got on the first couple episodes that I am now eligible to be an ambassador ad uh, runner on my podcast, which means that I'm going to start running short uh, ads maybe here in a couple episodes, not not this episode, um, so I can monetize my podcast and maybe make a little bit of – make a little money on the side. I mean that's – I never really thought I would ever get there. I mean of course that would have been – that was a goal when I started, but you know, I've addressed it a couple times. The reason I started this is because I just love to do it. So of course if I can make a couple bucks on the side – you know, that's, that, that's always a positive thing. So never in a million years did I think I would hit that goal in the first week. Um, it's, it's really taken off kind of more than I thought. I I had people messaging me this past weekend, you know, Hey, when are you going to do another podcast? I'm really looking forward to it, blah, blah, blah. And I just, in my mind, I never thought it would, it would get to that level. So, um, I'm glad that you guys are all enjoying it as well. Um, as much as I am, and I'm even, you know, more eager than I was before to, to continue this. So, um, so yeah, so now we can, now my podcasts are going to be more, uh, my episodes, I should say, are going to be more, um, just about the game recaps instead of, you know, out of the first two were more about the team in general, but, um, you know, there was a long Labor Day weekend and, you know, I'm sitting here on a Wednesday on my off day, um, recording this episode. So, I got five games to talk about. Um, there's another game tonight, another game tomorrow, and then a weekend series coming up that I'm going to address as well. So, um, yeah, let's just get right into it. Just like always, at the end of the episode, once you once you finish the episode, please um, please hit the follow button on the Spotify app, uh, leave a review, you know, anything like that, just to kind of show Spotify um, that you guys are enjoying it. Obviously, they 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 tell me when these things are happening, so. Um, it means a lot to me as well. So, all right. So the first game, um, or the first game that I'm going to talk about was the Cubs series this past weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, over the long Labor Day weekend, you know, going into the game, the Cardinals were probably one of the hottest teams in the entire league Cubs, not so much. I mean, the Cubs had a decent August. I think they had a top five starting rotation in the month of August. They were, they were pitching pretty well. Other than that, they're they're obviously a very mediocre team across the board. So, um, first game, you a couple things to talk about. Jordan Montgomery pitched in that game, and he was uh, he was dominant. He he went six scoreless innings, um, five strikeouts. He just kept them on edge every. You know, you never knew if he was going to throw that 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 fastball up in the zone or the change up low in the zone. He just kept hitters on, you know, on edge the whole game. And um, the Cubs starter, Samson, didn't really um, have much effectiveness throughout the entire game. You know, the Cardinals won 8-0. to So it was, um, yeah, it was a kind of a one-sided effort. Not much to talk about in that game. Obviously a, a big win. The big, on the offensive side of things, the something that I think is notable to talk about is in that game, we were only one for seven um, with runners in scoring position, yet we still scored eight runs. So it just, it goes to show that offense is going to come at any time. Anybody is contributing any inning, you know, and I can't say that about the Cardinals offense the last couple of years. So um, 
yeah. So the two big the two big players were Edmund and Newt Barr. Both of them hit a home run. Um, you know, a common theme of this podcast is going to be me apologizing to Tommy Edmund and Yadier Molina. I did not treat them very well in my um, in my player breakdown episodes. Um, and they both shoved it right back in my face this weekend. So um, Edmund's been on a tear lately. I think up until last game, he had seven straight games with uh, an extra base hit. And I want to say if he didn't have a home run in every game against the Cubs, it was at least two or three. So, you know, where Edmund's power surge is coming from, I have no clue. But um, he's shown time and time and again, and I addressed this when I talked about it in my episode about the position players, his value that he brings base running and defense is so high that even if he is a league average hitter, he produces at an all-star level. So, and that's what he's been doing lately. I mean, he, again, he's in the 600 OPS area all season long up until the last like three weeks. Um, and it's already up to almost 720. So he's raised it pretty, pretty good just in the short amount of time. So, um, the only other thing I wanted to talk about with game one against the Cubs was how dominant Hicks was. He threw two innings, um, scoreless. He is such an X factor for us going forward because we all know, I, again, I talked about it two episodes ago, how, um, his stuff is just filthy. He throws 103, 90 plus mile an hour slider. He is virtually unhittable when he wants to be, but he just doesn't seem to always be on at any given time. But in the month of August, he's had 17 appearances. He's only had seven walks, which is, you know, less than half the time. He's even, you know, for every inning, he's less than half of a walk. And then 23 strikeouts in 17 innings, which means he's averaging over nine strikeouts per uh, per nine innings. So um, that is phenomenal. And he's even, he's been even better the last two weeks. He's had his last seven to eight outings. He's been completely scoreless and hasn't walked anyone so um he is just incredible lately he was very iffy at the beginning of the year I think you know they tried to make him a starter it obviously didn't work out but um if he can uh, be that middle of the reliever guy that can get us to Gallegos and and Helsley um his stuff his stuff plays you know so as long as he's really not walking anyone he's pretty effective and he's shown that the last month or so so all right, so game one, eight nothing victory. Going into game two, you had um, Wainwright versus Drew Smiley. You know, two veterans going at it. Um, Cardinals were again victorious, eight to four. Now Wainwright did not have a very good start. He just didn't look sharp. It was to the point where um, Yadier Molina went to Ali Marmal halfway or after the fifth inning and said, "Hey, you need to pull him. His stuff is not sharp." You know, we're getting close to like the third time around in the order. Um, the hitters are going to explode off of him. You know, his stuff's not sharp. So Marmol pulled him after five. Wainwright wasn't happy. Um, he, he made that very clear in, in the interview after the game. Um, but it is what it is. And then after that, Palante threw an inning. Jake Woodford threw an inning. JoJo Romero threw an inning. Gallegos threw an inning. All scoreless. Four innings, and they only allowed one hit combined. So, um that just goes to show how good our bullpen's been. You know, even Wainwright still having an iffy start, our bullpen throwing four scoreless at the end of the game there uh, was huge um, just to make sure that, you know, the Cubs had already scored four runs at that point to make sure that that didn't, you know, keep happening. So um, regarding the offensive side of things, again, just more of a power surge. 
O'Neal is just figuring it out the last the last couple months, and he he's been huge. Um, again, where the hell did Tommy Edmond come from? He he hit another home run this game, um, and he also had another double. He his power surge has been incredible. I love him in the nine hole. I mean, I know um, you want your best hitters to have the most at bats, so you want your four to five best hitters hitting one through five. But having Edmund in that nine hole really makes the the opponent respect our bottom half of the lineup. So I'm okay with leaving him there. He's hot, you know. Don't you know if it's broke, don't fix it type of a thing. So um, something else I wanted to address with the power surge lately that I keep addressing is since the trade deadline, the Cardinals have almost 20 more home runs than the next best team. So um, what you're seeing right now is just unprecedented. We haven't really done this all year. So I mean, we've had a pretty good offense all year, but the amount of home runs that we're hitting is we haven't done this all year. So, um, so yeah, so first two games, both victories, we scored eight runs in both, um, going into game three, you had miles Michaelis and his last name was Hughes. I'm not sure who, who that is. So, um, going to be honest with you on that one. So obviously have the pitching matchup advantage going into game three. And that's exactly how it turned out. Michaelis threw eight scoreless innings. Um, now you look at the the background stats a little bit. He did he did um, allow numerous uh, balls in play that were hit over a hundred miles an hour. They they did kind of smoke the ball off him a couple times, but that's when you just got to trust your defense to make plays, and and they did. They helped him out a couple times. So um, the offense didn't do a lot that game. I don't even think we had an extra base hit the whole game. So um, or I lied. Edmund hit a home run, but other than that, we didn't really do a whole lot. So uh, so yeah, what a great way to finish off the first series. A three nothing sweep, um, yeah. Cardinals are just really hot, and I, again, I, now I want to, I want to give my sincere apology to Tommy Adam and Yadier Molina. I know I addressed this a couple minutes ago. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the chances of them listening to that loud podcast is zero percent, but they must have known their nose much to ist or something. But because they were both hot, I mean, I, I'll give, I'll give Yadi credit. He was actually driving the ball to the gaps. He was, he, his at bats actually looked somewhat presentable um to where they really um they really didn't the last couple months um he hit he hit a couple balls over 100 miles an hour he was actually barreling the ball making a solid contact so um so yeah so what a great series there cubs didn't really stand a chance that whole series because because we're just on a roll you know we're on a roll there and they're not and we're at home and cardinal fans know we play significantly better at home than we do away um so yeah so next up is we had a week a weekday series with the Washington Nationals Monday through Thursday. We normally we you know every other week we have like a Monday or a Thursday off, and this is not one of these uh, one of those weeks. So we have a game every day this week. Um, the Monday game was a very 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 forgettable game. I mean we lost six to zero. Almost nothing good happened that game. That's one of those games that you just kind of shut off in the sixth or seventh inning. Um, you forget about it and you just, you know, you count down the minutes till, till the next day. So, um, you know, going into the game, I was very excited because it's Jack Flaherty day. You know, this is his first start since June. I talked about it numerous, numerous episodes ago, how much of an X factor he can be in September and in October. And he really did show that. I mean, if, if we, if you're going to outline one positive of that, of the Monday game against the Nationals, it is Jack Flaherty. He went five innings. He only allowed one run. Now he could have blown up a couple times, um, but the fact that he didn't, I think, says says a lot. 
He went five innings, had six strikeouts. He only had one walk, which is great. He was actually hitting 95-96, which that's – I feel like that's something that a lot of, like, Cardinal fans won't necessarily realize is, you know, back in 2018-2019, Jack Flaherty was the pump in 96-97 in there, 95, you know. And in his starts that he had in June when he came back from injury, he was barely hitting 92. He he wasn't he wasn't hitting the zone. He was just missing. You know, there's a difference between what we call hitting the black of the zone. So that means you you know you're right on the inside or right on the outside. You're not leaving it middle middle. And his stats in June, he or I'm sorry, in his starts in June, he was just missing numerous inches off the plate in every direction. He he didn't have a good feel for his stuff. Um, and in this start, you know, he did. And granted, I, I was only able to watch his last two innings. I was, I was on the road for the first three innings, so I was just listening to it. But um, he was consistently hitting 95, 96, 97, hitting the black. His off speed was very sharp. He was nibbling on the corners trying to get people to chase. And, um, and that's kind of Flaherty's forte. He, that's what he kind of always does. He's not a guy that's going to go nine innings a lot because he's going to throw a lot of pitches. And um, sure enough, he was over 100 pitches through five innings. And and because he's a strikeout pitcher, and strikeout pitchers typically have to throw way more pitches. So you see guys like Wayno and Michaelis, they, they're kind of con- soft contact ground ball pitchers to where they get a lot of first or second pitch um, ground outs into the at-bat. Flaherty's not like that. He's going to test you. He's going to throw in and then out and throw a slider in the dirt to see if you can chase. And he's going to test you and um, – he on average throws two entire more pitches per at bat than Michaelis does. So, you know, that's going to add up over a game. He's when he throws seven, eight, nine innings, that's when, you know, he he's on and he's dominant. Typically with Flaherty, you're going to see five to six innings, at least for the next couple starts, maybe his last couple starts before the end of the year, they'll, they'll just test him and run him out and see how he can see how he can do. So, um, so the only other positive in that game was that Zach Thompson had come in and also throw a scoreless inning. So for those of you who don't know, Genesis Cabrera went went down last week or two weeks ago. He couldn't get me out at the time, um, so they needed somebody else. So they called Zach Thompson back up, um, and he threw another scoreless inning. So I think he was one of those players that I kind of have on my radar as like, you know, I outlined who the playoff bullpen roster like what that's going to look like and Zach Thompson is one of those two three four guys where I think it's very hit or miss if he's going to make the playoff roster or not and another scoreless another scoreless outing that he can kind of put a notch on his belt is is what he's going to need to do the rest of the month to show that you know he deserves to be to have a spot on that playoff roster so that's something to monitor as well and the only other thing I want to address with that game one um start on Monday against the Nationals is that inevitably I don't know why or how you would think it would be the opposite but just soft contact pitchers always give us issues you know Corbin Burns Jacob deGrom the some of those better Max Scherzer those those pitchers that can go out and throw a hundred it just seems the Cardinals make better contact with those pitchers than we do um, soft contact pitchers and um, the the starter for the Nationals game one was Anibal Sanchez. He's like a thirty nine year old, you know, eighty year old uh, starter veteran in the league, and he had a couple curveballs that were clocked at like sixty two miles an hour, which is ridiculous. He's probably one of the only few pitchers in the entire major leagues that throws that slow. So those kind of guys, they definitely keep you on edge. It's it's hard to stay on that. 
any any major league player would rather see 95 than you know 60 because it's it's hard to square that up so so yeah so game one kind of forgettable we lost six to nothing luckily the brewers also lost so we didn't you know lose any ground in the division so the next game which was yesterday's game was also against the nationals obviously jose Quintana threw for us and then their starter is another you know mid-30s really soft contact pitcher his name's paulo espino he um we actually were able to hit him a little bit you know we ended up winning four to one which is great um but we didn't really get much offense going until the middle of the game. I mean, the first couple innings, he was kind of carving us up a little bit. He, we were making, we were just kind of flaring the ball left and right. You know, weren't making solid contact. The uh, the game changing moment there was Brendan Donovan hit a home run, and which anybody that looks at Brendan Donovan's stats, they're gonna know he does. He's not gonna run into a lot of home runs. He's he's a contact first pitcher that goes the other way a lot, drives the ball gap to gap. Um, which is, you know, that has value. Obviously, hitting home runs is great. Um, and I think Donovan is going to run into a few more home runs maybe in the last couple months that we're going to see than, or than we saw all summer. I think as a rookie coming up, you want to provide value with, with what you do best. So that way you don't get sit back down. And I think that's what he did. He almost relied too much on contact to where he wasn't really driving the ball like he's capable of. And to where I now, I now think he's going to be free swinging a little bit more. Obviously, you don't want to give up much contact in that way but um you know any any of you guys who watched the cardinals about a decade ago brendan donovan reminds me a lot of like 2012 2013 matt carpenter we know carpenter now as the player who you know may not get on base a ton but he's gonna hit 30 30 to 35 homers at least he did in his peak with the cardinals and obviously everybody's seeing what he's doing with the yankees this year but when he first came up as a rookie he was hitting 320 330 getting on base almost 40% 40% of the time and taking his walks and he was a phenomenal leadoff guy and, I, and Donovan just reminds me a lot of that so obviously hopefully that continues and then after that Donovan Homer um, we kind of got some things in gear Dickerson had a couple hits um, Gorman had a double off the wall and then the very next at bat he hit another home run as well so you know we were able to scrape up four runs and Quintana was great again Jose Quintana went uh, five scoreless or five. I'm sorry, five innings, one run. That is now his his seventh straight quality start since we traded for him from the Pirates. So he's been everything that you want, you know, in like a fourth, fifth rotation guy. Again, we didn't trade for Jose Quintana to be a shutdown ace that's going to go eight scoreless innings, like I said, like Michaelis did two games ago. You, if Jose Quintana can get you five to six innings with one run, that you can't ask for anything more. So. Um, so yeah, so Gorman, uh, there was a, there was a story yesterday I read on Twitter before the game that Gorman was kind of going through going through some struggles. His last like 30 at bats, he only had a couple hits, struck out almost 20 times, um, was just really not even having competitive at bats. He obviously, as you guys have noticed, didn't really start the last couple games. Him and Brendan Donovan are very good buddies. They came up together in the minor league system. Every level, they kind of jumped around the same time. So Donovan sent him some clips of him mashing home runs throughout his minor league career. And it must have ignited something in Gorman because he, I mean, destroyed two different baseballs yesterday. One hit off the hit off the wall, and then another one cleared the wall. You know, and 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 again, I talked about this with the position players episode. That is Gorman's best quality. He's not gonna play gold glove defense. He's not going to 
get you a bunch of extra stolen bases and, and all these other things. He's not going to be a Tommy Edmond. You know, he, his value is mashing baseballs. So, you know, when he does that is, you know, he's at his best and he showed that yesterday. So hopefully that continues. Hopefully that's a, hopefully that's a sign of good things to come. So, um, yeah, so Quintana scoreless outing. And then again, Hicks came in. He only threw one inning, um, but he had three strikeouts. I mean, he looked more unhittable yesterday than he did, I would say, any time in the last month. Um, if he can really limit walks and come in in the sixth, seventh inning, you're you're talking a dominant trio of Hicks, Gallegos, and Helsley that I would put up next to almost any any trio in the bullpen of any team that's going to make the playoffs coming up. So um, if Hicks' dominance continues in the month of September – our bullpen is going to be one of the more formidable bullpens going into the playoffs. And like I talked about before, a hot bullpen can really, really, really carry you. So um, that is a super encouraging sign. And then in the eighth, Gaia goes through a scoreless inning. And then the ninth, Helsley threw a scoreless inning. So, yeah, so Gaia goes and Helsley did their thing. Um, it was a great game to watch. Um, Quintana threw five scoreless. And then you had Hicks, Gaia goes and Helsley all throw scoreless innings. And, and yeah, into the game. It's it's when when all three of those things happen, it's going to be really hard for any any team to beat us, um, especially four times in a seven game series. So the more that the September is developing, the the hotter and hotter I think the Cardinals are going to become, and the, the harder and harder I think they are going to be to beat um, in a seven game series. Uh, so yeah, so last five games that I just re- uh, went over four and one record. Granted. Then, and this is going to be the theme probably in all my episodes the rest of the year because of how easy our schedule is. Obviously, the Cubs and the Nationals are not great opponents. But good teams beat bad teams. That's what you got to do, and that's what we're doing. Um, you know, Outside of that one clunker of a game on Monday, again, we swept over the weekend, and we've taken one, on, um, one of the first two games against the Nationals. So a 4-1 record our last five games. That's incredible, and really, I'm looking at the schedule now. If you go back to our last ten games, we're eight and two, uh, so can't really ask for much more than that. So, so yeah, so that's kind of where we're at the last four or five games. Um, kind of giving you guys a little preview of what's coming up. You have so tonight's game at six forty-five. You have Jordan Montgomery against Corey Abbott. He, I don't really know much about Corey Abbott, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I did a little research. He's a 26-year-old kind of spot starter for the Nats. He came up last year. Um, not really much to show. Um, yeah, so that's about all I got on him. And then Jordan Montgomery is throwing for us tonight, so I think you know you feel really confident with um, with that pitching matchup kind of in our favor. And then um, to, they haven't released any lineups or anything. As of now, it's, it's about 10.30. I'm recording this podcast, so no lineups yet. Um, Maybe in the future I'll do my podcast a little bit later in the day so I can go over lineups with you guys. But as of now, they haven't released anything yet. Abbott is a, as far as I know, he's a right-handed starter. So I think that you're going to see that typical um, Corey Abbott. Yeah, throws right-handed. So what you're going to see probably today is, again, that Newt Bar brennan donovan combo at the top of the lineup with, uh, with the rest of the lineup looking like what I talked about last episode. So one thing that I have seen is they kind of dropped Gorman. In the lineup, I know I talked about him batting four in front, or I'm sorry, five in front of O'Neill, but they've actually been dropping him. They've been putting Corey Dickerson five, Tyler O'Neill six, 
and then Gorman seven, which I'm okay with that. Dickerson's been super hot, so I'm okay with that. You kind of got to ride the hot hand at some point. So a negative thing that I want to talk about the last five games is the downfall of Dylan Carlson. Again, he has started one game in the past five. He came in last night as a defensive replacement, and while it wasn't considered an error, he had a he had an over-the-shoulder catch that he should have made. It hit off of the heel of his hand, so he should have easily had that. I think normally he would have had that, so I don't know if maybe not starting recently and just not getting consistent playing time is getting to his head, but you're seeing Newt Barr and Dickerson be um, – be prioritized over Carlson right now. And I can't say I blame him. You know, Carlson's not really adding much value offensively and he's not really playing phenomenal defense. You know, it'd be different if he was the best defensive center fielder in the league. You know, I think you can get over him, not really hit much, but he's not doing that either. So um, I think for the foreseeable future, you're going to see some type of combo of Dickerson, Tyler O'Neill in center and Newbar and right. Um, Donovan may be able uh, to to you know give one of those corner outfielders a day off soon. Obviously, Carlson will start every once in a while, but um, you're going to see those three starting for the foreseeable future. So, all right. And then Thursday's game is actually a day game. It's at one fifteen Eastern. So yeah, twelve o'clock. The pitching matchup for that is you have Josiah Gray for them who. Was one of their bigger prospects. He came over last year in the Max Scherzer, Trey Turner deal from the Dodgers. He's been he's been good for them. Actually, one of their more reliable starters. He's still he has an ERA in the fours, so not necessarily an ace, but you know can get you five six strong innings. And then we have Adam Wainwright going. So obviously, again with both of the games coming up today and tomorrow, you really like the Cardinals' um, odds in both of those games to to claim the next two games but as monday showed with flaherty throwing anything can happen so the only thing that worries me about wainwright a little bit on thursday is he actually has shown that he's a little bit better against hitters that he's faced before wainwright's one of the smartest smartest pitchers in the whole in the whole league there's a reason why he's 40 years old and just as unhittable as he has been his whole career so and it's because he can strategize if he knows he's facing guys that he's hit before he can be like okay well they always seem to attack my sinker low so i'm gonna throw them nothing but curveballs or whatever you know he can mix and match his strategies against players that he's seen before but if he's facing a bunch of guys that he's never really seen before um he struggles a little more and i'm not saying the nationals are going to tee off on him thursday by any means but he um yeah I i also don't see him carving carving them up as well so um, so those those are Wednesdays and Thursdays games. Starting on Friday, we we uh, we have a travel day Thursday night or Thursday after the day game. We go to Pittsburgh, um, and we have three in Pittsburgh Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you have Michaelis slotted to start Friday, Flaherty uh, slotted to start Saturday, and then Jose Quintana. <coughs> excuse me, Jose Quintana on Sunday. So again, that is such a that's one of the giant benefits of getting Flaherty back. And then with that, the fact that we were able to sign Montgomery and Quintana at the trade deadline is that you really fill out your rotation with five guys that, again, unless you're facing the Mets and you have DeGrom and Scherzer coming up or obviously with, um, with the Dodgers or something like that, against almost anyone else, you feel like the Cardinals are almost favored every game because of our 
starting, you know, rotation and how we're ma- how we're mixing and matching that. So with Michaelis Flaherty and Quintana starting over the weekend, baseball's a very hard game to play, especially when you play 162 games a year, but it's it's hard to see the Cardinals losing two of three in Pittsburgh over the weekend. So so we'll see how that goes. Um, and then after Pittsburgh, which I'll have another episode by then, but after Pittsburgh, we'll have an off day on Monday, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll come back home against two games against Milwaukee uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. So so that's what the the outlook of the next week or so is going to look like. A couple extra things I wanted to talk about before I ended is the September call ups. So. It's been about a week. I'm a week late now, but um, as of September 1st, part of the new um, part of the new collective bargaining bargaining agreement that they agreed to this past off season was instead of doing the 40 man rotation, or uh, instead of expanding rosters to 40 to 40 guys starting in September, they just increase it by two because obviously the clubhouses were a little packed, dugouts were packed, guys weren't getting playing time, things like that. So. Um, the rosters expanded from 26 to 28 guys. So the two people that called up, his last name is Deluzio. He's a he's kind of a speedster outfielder. He's 25, 26 years old. Um, yeah, I can give you guys some more detail on him later, but he's not going to play as a, a big role the next month. Um, I think most Cardinal fans that at least pay attention to prospects probably would have liked to see Alec Burleson called up in his spot. Um, and for those of you guys who don't know Alec Burleson, he is one of our top prospects. He was drafted uh, last year or the year before. I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't have it pulled up. Um, out of college, he's a he's a left-handed hitter, corner outfielder, and he is just absolutely mashing in AAA right now. Um, and I think, you know, with, with trading Bader and Carlson not playing that well, you got to think there's a little bit of an avenue for playing time for Alec Burleson, but there's one big reason why they didn't call him up, and that is because of service time. So when you when you call a player up in September like this, you kind of kickstart his MLB service time, and they want to wait until next year to kind of to start that because it gives them a whole another year of control on his contract here in five six years. So that gets kind of confusing. Um, some of you guys may not know what I'm referencing with that. Um, the first six years of when a rookie gets called up, they are under control for six years. Now, when you start that in September, it shortens how long you have control of that player. Now, if they wait to call him up until the middle of next April, it gives them essentially a whole nother season that they will be that they will have him under their control. Um, it's a crappy part of the industry. But it, it's just kind of the way the game goes. Um, a lot of baseball fans are kind of already aware of this. But So he's one of our top prospects, but they're going to leave him down in AAA until next year. So that Deluzio guy came up in his spot. And then the other, the other guy they called up, his name is James Nail. He's been up and down a couple times this year. He's actually been fairly good for us the whole, the whole season. So, um, so those are the two guys. Not, not sexy names by any means, but... Again, those two are not going to play as big of a role. You have the Cardinals. I mean, at this moment in time, we are nine and a half games up on the Brewers. So you got to think that they're, they kind of had the division on a chokehold. So they're not necessarily competing for that anymore. But as of now, let me pull it up so I don't have the wrong, uh, the wrong games back and the wrong stats here. But we are only, let's see. 
we are only five games back of the Braves and the Mets. And, you know, with the, with the new expanded playoff um, rules, overall record matters. So if we can somehow pass the Mets or the Braves in overall record, it change, It gives us the number two seed instead of the number three seed. And that changes who we have to play. It gives us a bye. Um, it's huge. Now, five games, five games is a little bit too much. You know, we only have about three, four weeks left of the season, um, but it's definitely doable. I mean, you look back in August, and we were three, four games back of the Brewers, and now all of a sudden we're nine and a half games up. So a lot of things can happen. The Mets and the Braves are going to actually play each other the next couple, uh, sometime in the next couple weeks. So, you know, obviously one of those teams are guaranteed to lose every one of those games, so the Cardinals can actually make up some ground there. So... Um, so that's what they're fighting for. So you're not going to see those Deluzio and James Nail, you know, September call-up guys really play that big of a role. Deluzio, you're going to see him come in in the eighth and ninth inning as a pinch runner. And that's probably about it. And that's okay. Um, one big omission that I think a lot of us are aware of is the one, one Yepes. So, you know, why was he not called up September 1st? And why was Deluzio called up in front of, you know, in his spot? Juan Yepes is mashing in AAA right now. He just hit a three-run homer, you know, a couple games ago. He's batting three for them. You know, I wish I had an answer for you. I'm not. I'm not completely sure. I've I've been looking on Twitter and trying to find articles of, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's an injury reason or something he's trying to rehab or work on, and I can't find anything. So, so why Juan Yepes is not uh, not up for us? I don't know. Maybe that'll change in the next couple weeks. But as of now, he's still in AAA. So. Um, so yeah, I think that is I think that's it for me. Um I talked about all five games. I talked about what's coming up ahead. Um and I think that's it. So please just like always, like I talked about at the beginning, um please follow my Spotify account, you know, send me send me some texts and some Facebook messages or something, you know, if there's if there's something that maybe I skipped over that you guys want to know a little bit more about, please let me know. Um and I'll be back. I'll be back. I'm going to try to do another episode on Sunday because Sunday is a day game. So I may do like an evening time podcast on Sunday or, you know, I'll probably do one Monday because we have an off day. It'll be one of those two two games. I'm going to let the next two games and then the weekend series kind of develop so to have a little bit more talking points. So, um, so yeah, if there's anything that you guys want me to add at the beginning or the end of my podcast that maybe make them a little bit more informative, please let me know. Again, this is a work in progress for me as well. So, um, so yeah, so be looking, be on the lookout for a podcast at the end of the weekend as well. I'm actually, I'm in, I'm in the works to, um, to add a little bit of intro music, music at the beginning. And again, in the next couple episodes, you might see me start running a little bit more ads. Um, I apologize in advance, but they'll be short. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of, that's the changes on the horizon as well. Um, yeah, I hope everybody has a good rest of the week. Again, let me know if there's anything I can add or or change about the podcast or anything that you would like me to talk about, um, a little bit more in depth about and, uh, and I'll see you next time. Peace.